This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with Get Connected. We have an awesome show for you today. We're going to be talking all sorts of uh, tech, including uh, Apple going to war with Facebook and Google, some weird and wacky cell phone patents and innovations, uh, and Gwyneth Paltrow with a new streaming series on Netflix based around her Goop brand. Always a dream come true. Got my good friend Graham Williams with me here today. Thanks for joining me, Graham. Always glad to be here. Uh, Let's start off with uh, Apple going to war with Facebook and Google. So this is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, It uh, basically shut down uh, Facebook and Google uh, as far as uh, access to uh, apps uh, internally. Can you explain how that's all working? Yeah, so essentially what Apple does is they have these developer certificates. So you have to have one of these things in order to publish something on the App Store. Now, you can also use these certificates to test things internally. And the idea here is that you're testing an app that is is either going to be just for internal use for your corporation um, or that you're going to be testing something that's going to be released eventually. Uh, Now, both Facebook and Google have been playing really dirty with this, trying to get around a lot of the restrictions that Apple has put in place to protect user privacy by using these internal certificates to get external people, so ordinary people. And in Facebook's case, they're getting teenagers to use these apps uh, and paying them like 20 bucks a pop, basically to invade every bit of their privacy. Uh, this has got to be really frustrating for Apple, and I can understand why this seems drastic at first. You know, they're going to war, but really what they're doing is they're saying to both Facebook and Google, uh, you can't try to get around the protections that we're putting in place for user privacy by using an internal resource as an external product. Uh, very frustrating, I think, for them on a lot of fronts. Well, this is interesting because that brings up a whole other news story that's kind of tied into this. Facebook has uh, been recruiting teenagers uh, to basically, uh, I guess, not spy because these teenagers are giving their permission, but to basically see what kind of stuff they're doing online. Yeah, and you know, I, honestly, like I, I think I would use the word spy, despite the fact that they're being paid for it. I think a lot of people don't really have the awareness of the amount of information that they're giving away. And when you flash a twenty or fifty dollar gift card in front of a sixteen year old, they're not thinking, "I'm giving you access to all of the information that is me." They're thinking, "Cool, great, I can go buy myself a new, you know, well, half a pair of sneakers, I guess." But it, it's 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 one of those things where they're they're using their position and using the ignorance of the average user to leverage this kind of thing and then using these back channel routes to get that information. And I think it's been incredibly disingenuous on Facebook's part, incredibly disingenuous on Google's part, and great for Apple to stand up and say, you know what, our privacy does matter and we're not going to let you guys do this anymore. Any reactions from Google and Facebook? Uh, Facebook has said that they are going to uh, change the way that they're going to do this. Um, They're they're doing a lot of changing lately, Graham. You know, it's, uh, they seem to do a really good job of changing once they get caught. Um, And Google, you know, famously, they they had don't be evil in their, um, in in their motto. Apparently that's still buried in there somewhere right now, but Alphabet's motto is do the right thing. And apparently they've come out and said, okay, we'll go and do the right thing here as well. Um, I'm getting really, really tired of all of these tech companies only valuing our privacy when it becomes clear that they're starting to look bad in the media. Um, It would be really nice to have all of these groups, you know, step ahead of this and say, we're going to find another way to monetize as opposed to essentially creating a digital clone of you and then trying to market every damn thing in the world to it. One day, Graham, one day, one day. 
I'm uh, an optimist. You know that. <laughs> um, there's going to be some pretty big cell phone announcements coming over the next month. There's a big show in uh, Europe in Barcelona, Mobile World Congress. This is where all the cell phone manufacturers uh, announce or launch a lot of their new cell phone or smartphones uh, for the year. Uh, and so some interesting things that I'm uh, seeing here, Graham. Energizer, you know the guys that make the batteries? Yeah. They're launching 26 new phones, smartphones, 26. Android phones. Only really? 26. Yes. <laughs> Out of nowhere, the battery company is suddenly a smartphone manufacturer. Well, you know, I mean, looking at the, the types of sort of commoditized hardware that we see in the cell phone space right now, I can understand it. The question is, why 26 models? Like, are there, are there really 26 separate consumer demographics out there that they can actually market these things to? I'm confused. It's, it's interesting. Uh, two of them have some interesting innovations. Uh, they have a pop-up camera, which okay. I found kind of neat. Uh, yeah. So instead of the camera being built right into the unit itself, uh, at the very top, uh, a little pop-up comes up and uh, the camera and lens is housed in there. Didn't we see, uh, was it Oppo or was it Huawei that did that? They, they had one that kind of, it kind of came out on a, on a motor and then went back in. It's, because Samsung's got their new hole punch design with the, uh, the S10, right? And that's yes. sort of, the, it's, got the little, it's got the little hole just for the camera and you've got screen all around it. Apple very famously has the notch which yes. was, you know, uh, like there was a big brouhaha about that for about all of two weeks until everybody and their brother started cloning that on the Android world. So the pop-up camera, the thing that worries me about pop-up cameras, moving parts, right? I, yes, don't like, yes. I don't like my cell phones to have moving parts. These things get thrown in a pocket. There's lint in there. You, you, we beat the crap out of these things. Why do you want a moving piece of hardware on that? That interesting innovation i'm gonna pass on that one personally until i see that maybe it's going to change my life but i think that's not a good one so well, you said two innovations what was the what was the what was the other one well that was the main one okay <laughs> <laughs> it's appearing in two of these 26 models that they're going oh, to be launching and you know that's a lot of phones uh that they would be coming out with but it's interesting graham because when you think of energizer the distribution they have for their products uh their batteries and all their accessories it's pretty extensive so i'm wondering if they're going to be able to leverage their distribution into all the different retail stores they uh work with to bring these phones there as well i, th I think you're right and i think it's got to be if they're going to make headway here it's probably got to be on the cheap phone front um, you know, basically, you know, buy a pack of batteries, get a phone included, maybe, but <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. I, I feel like they meant to only put out like two or three and then the list just kept going and going and going and going. Oh, you just went there. <laughs> We're, uh, talking about all the tech news stories here on get connected, uh, about some of the smartphone, uh, innovations, uh, coming out in the next, uh, few months. I, I don't know if you saw this one. I didn't know Palm was back into making phones. Obviously it's not Palm itself, but someone licensing the Palm name. Uh, but they've got this uh, little companion phone that's available on Verizon down in the U S I think it goes for about 350 bucks and it's got a 3.3 inch screen on it. So, uh, for an extra $10 a month, it would also share the phone number and plan, data plan, of your, your regular smartphone. So if you're going out for the evening, you didn't want to bring your big six-inch uh, smartphone, uh, you could bring this tiny little one with you. This is a great idea and something that I absolutely want for myself. I actually still have, sitting right beside me, I still have my iPhone 5. And when I took my iPhone 10 in to get the battery replaced under the battery replacement program, literally a week after New Year's Eve, um, I 
was using my iPhone 5 and I, I hadn't fired it up for much outside of using it as a, a remote control in my house. But I loved that, that small, sleek little device. And, you know, the iPhone SE right now, there's been a resurgence in people who absolutely are, are they're seeking this thing out because Apple has officially discontinued it. But it's showing up in a variety of different places. It showed up on uh, one of the refurb stores and these things were gone in minutes. So I would love to have the opportunity to have an iPhone SE 2 almost as a like an escape pod from my, my big iPhone 10 that I could take out again on those nice nights where you just need a phone in your pocket, you need messaging, maybe you need a decent camera, but you don't need all of the processing horsepower that we use day to day. And just being able to say, you know what, I'm on this phone right now. Let's swap it out. Let's do it. I think that's a great thing. And I'm actually looking forward to it. We're talking all about the news, uh, tech news here on Get Connected. When we come back, more tech to talk. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. We still have lots to talk about on today's program, including uh, getting the lowdown on some new smartphones uh, from Mart, uh, Motorola. Motorola, Motorola. But right now I want to talk uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. If you've been following the news uh, this past uh, week, a really interesting thing has happened. A uh, Canadian uh, cryptocurrency exchange called Quadriga Currency Exchange uh, is in a bit of hot water right now. Their uh, founder uh, has uh, unfortunately passed away. And with him, the passwords uh, for all the cryptocurrency that uh, they, uh, I guess, uh, were holding. So there's literally millions of uh, dollars up in the air. To help us understand this uh, more and what we can do to protect ourselves if uh, we are holding any type of cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, we've got Michael Vogel from NetCoins. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Uh, let's just uh, do uh, kind of a, uh, a down-low explanation of what is happening here. What is Quadriga Currency Exchange, and uh, what what happened? Yes, yeah, so Quadriga Exchange is uh, one of Canada's oldest Bitcoin exchanges and, and the largest in terms of its user base. And essentially, a Bitcoin exchange is a marketplace where people can buy, sell, and trade Bitcoins online, uh, sort of like a stock exchange with the, the added feature that you can actually withdraw uh, and deposit bitcoins uh, onto this exchange. So, uh, what has happened over the last few months? Uh, it's actually been quite an interesting story. Um, users on the exchange have complained about slow withdrawal times, uh, having difficulties actually being able to withdraw funds out of the exchange, uh, and that's been going on for about the last year or so. Um, but to make things even more complicated, uh, a story emerged about its uh, founder. Uh, mysteriously dying in India, and uh, and the, the claim is that no one has access to the, the bitcoins on this exchange other than him, and so now, you know, there'd be around a hundred thousand users on on Quadriga uh, have no access to uh, to their funds on the uh, on the exchange. How much money are we talking, Michael? So the 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 rumor is around one hundred ninety million dollars of uh, of dollars and bitcoins uh, held in in various uh, accounts. So it's uh, it's quite a significant amount of uh, of money that uh, is is up in the air. How can something like this happen? One guy has all the pass the password or passwords for the entire exchange. I mean, that's not uh, good corporate governance, really, is it? No, not at all. And it, it almost seems unbelievable. I mean, coming from the Bitcoin industry myself, you know, when a company gets to that that size and, and that number of assets, it it seems illogical that that one person would be the, the, the central point of failure. So, and, and there's a lot of dispute online with, with, uh, with customers wondering, you know, how could this even be possible? But uh, if indeed it is possible uh, that, that this happened, then, uh, then it, it becomes very, very difficult to retrieve the, the Bitcoins themselves. 
Uh, dollars may be another story because there may be access to banks and payment processors, but um, so, sort of like an, an email account, uh, if you don't have the password to it, then you can't get access to uh, what's inside. So let's try to explain that to, to the listeners out there. You talked about, you know, if it's dollars, uh, you could probably go, you know, after the banks and the, the payment processors to help uh, untangle that. Uh, but when it comes to cryptocurrency, like Bitcoin and what have you, if you don't have the password, you're never getting access to that, correct? Exactly. So it's Bitcoin's biggest advantage and also, in, in some ways, uh, a weakness, you could say. So when someone deposits uh, Bitcoins onto an exchange like Quadriga, uh, in essence, you're giving your control to to Quadriga. They then hold the the password, if you will, to those coins. Uh, Bitcoin users also have the ability to store coins themselves. They can store them in their own wallet, in which case they control their destiny. No one else can can uh, access those funds. Um, but obviously, people are willing to trade security for convenience. If they deposit it onto their Quadriga account, then it's easily accessible, easily uh, tradable. Um, but if something like the unthinkable happens and the exchange disappears, then obviously you, you lose access to your coins. How can something like this happen? I, you know, there's a number of currency exchanges uh, around the world. Uh, um, I, I, just, I just can't still understand how one guy has the password for, 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 for everything. Like, you know, what does this do for trust, uh, you know, with the rest of the currency exchanges out there? No, exactly. And, and ironically, uh, the, although this is the first to happen in Canada, it's not actually the first time that this has happened in the Bitcoin industry. Uh, and, and in fact, stories like this go back way to 2013, when the first uh, prominent Bitcoin exchanges disappeared in, in, in somewhat similar circumstances. Um, although at that point, they claimed it was a, a hacking event. But it was the same, same sort of weakness where one point of failure, uh, all the coins are stored in one place. And in, in that case, they were hacked, but in this case, they're allegedly not, not accessible. So I think it reminds people, again, if they are going to be using Bitcoin, um, some security common sense practices are, are definitely needed, especially if you're storing large amounts of, of money. Uh, don't trust them to a third party. The big advantage of Bitcoin is, is you become your own bank. So if you're going to be using Bitcoin, then learn how to become your own bank and how to store those coins safely. We're talking with Michael Vogel uh, from Netcoins, uh, all about uh, the recent, uh, I guess, uh, uh, issue or uh, problem with uh, cryptocurrency exchanges uh, with uh, Quadriga Currency Exchange, Canada's biggest cryptocurrency uh, company, basically, uh, I guess, leaving their uh, their customers uh, out of luck when uh, accessing uh, their, their Bitcoin and, and what have you because the owner forgot his uh, password. So, uh, Michael... Uh, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, this guy forgetting the, the, the password. Uh, and we also talked about hacking. How often does hacking uh, happen with these exchanges? Yeah, so actually 2018 was a, a record year for, for data breaches and, and hacking events to, across Bitcoin exchanges. Uh, obviously, Bitcoin is, is low-hanging fruit for hackers because it's something that can be done purely online. And, uh, and because it is somewhat untraceable, uh, the, the rewards are, are very, very high. So uh, a lot of effort goes to, to hacking into Bitcoin exchanges and trying to bring them down. Uh, but also the industry has matured a lot. You know, Bitcoin just celebrated its 10th anniversary uh, in January. So uh, although it is still very, very new in the public sphere, Bitcoin has been around for a while and, and hackers have, have had a good decade to, to try and poke around and, and find flaws. So um, you know, during that same time, uh, exchanges, larger exchanges have become a lot more robust. Obviously, Quadriga is not a good example of that. 
but uh, there are a lot of other uh, you know, very, very robust and, and popular exchanges that, that, that have good track records. Uh, and obviously, even in Canada, companies like Coinsquare and, and, and Netcoins, that I'm from, um, you know, have, have very strong reputations. And so I think um, stories like this aren't new, and, and we probably won't see the, the last of them. But uh, I think if people do their research and, and know where they're storing and, and what kind of companies they're using to buy Bitcoins, then uh, that should at least give them some comfort. Talking with Michael Vogel from Netcoins. Uh, we're just going to get you a hold on the line. When we come back, I'd uh, love to talk to you about uh, what are some safety tips uh, for uh, cryptocurrency holders out there or people that want to get into things like Bitcoins. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo here in studio. We've been talking Bitcoins. Uh, you know, this is all revolving around uh, the company uh, Quad Riga Currency Exchange, Canada's biggest cryptocurrency exchange, where the uh, the founder uh, died with his password. Uh, you know, essentially leaving uh, you know hundreds of millions of uh, cryptocurrency out uh, in the wilderness. So, Michael Vogel uh, is from Netcoins. Uh, Michael, what are some things people can do to protect uh, their cryptocurrency in investment? Yeah, so what I recommend to anyone getting into Bitcoin is, is always start small, start with a reasonable amount of Bitcoin, just so you can play around and, uh, and not necessarily have to worry about uh, protecting a large, uh, a large treasure chest right off the bat. So what, what, what most people can do just to get familiar with how to secure Bitcoins is go into an app store on, on your phone, iPhone or Android, and uh, just look for something called a Bitcoin wallet. And that's how Bitcoins are stored. And so a common one is called blockchain wallet. That's available on iOS and Android. And what you can do is you can play around with the backup and security features. And there's different ways, two-factor authentication. Uh, you can actually back your Bitcoin wallet uh, up to a recovery phrase, which you can then write down so that if you ever lose your phone or if the, the, you, you know, uninstall the app, you can actually use this phrase to recover your Bitcoin uh, in, in a, a non-digital uh, way. So I think that's sort of step one. Um, for any, any person using Bitcoin, um, if you get to the point where you're storing a large amount of Bitcoin, then uh, you can start to look into what's called a hardware wallet. And so there's a, there are a variety of companies. Uh, one of them is called Ledger. Another one is called Trezor. Uh, they make a little device that looks like a USB key, but uh, it's essentially a, a two-step process for protecting your coins. And so, in essence, the coins are stored on this, this physical device, and when you need to access them on your computer... You can uh, you can punch a pin code or, or push a, a two-factor authentication button on the device so that let's say someone did hack into your computer or into your phone because you have this physical device as your your second factor of authentication uh, your, your bitcoins are essentially safe so those are the, the two main ways that, that people can protect themselves so when do currency exchanges come into play yeah so currency exchanges are essentially the uh, the common way that people either get in or get out of, of Bitcoin. So it's easy to send Bitcoin uh, you know, to other people and it's easy to spend it online. Uh, the challenge is obviously taking those dollars and converting them into Bitcoin. And then when you want to take those Bitcoins and convert them back to dollars, you have to use a, a, a third party. So a company like Quadriga or Coinsquare or Netcoins or Coinbase, these are uh, our intermediaries where people can, can convert their, uh, their funds. And so the, the best practice is basically only use an exchange for that, that purpose. Don't necessarily store coins on an exchange long term. Basically, you can fund your account, buy your Bitcoins, and then withdraw them uh, right away and store them on either your, your, your hard wallet, your, your physical device, or onto your blockchain wallet, which, which has been backed up. But uh, best practice is generally don't leave them uh, in the hands of a third party 
Otherwise, you you open yourself up to to something like we saw with Quadriga, where the com- the company goes down, and and now you don't have access to your coin. Uh, Michael, uh, this is so much information to uh, uh, to uh, to take in, um, and I, I find it uh, interesting that uh, you know we're still having these problems with passwords and you know these uh, exchanges getting hacked. Do you think regulation yeah. needs to come in from governments to uh, to protect consumers? Yeah, it, it's definitely uh, an interesting question. Uh, obviously, Bitcoin has has sort of designed itself under its its own rules, and it's not really designed to to work along with traditional financial uh, systems. And part of that is is actually its, its original appeal. Right, Bitcoin came came to existence after the the 2008 financial meltdown. People were upset with uh, with banks freezing funds and going out of business, and so the uh, the tech community wanted to find a better way. And so it's sort of origin story is, is separate from traditional rules. But I think um, what it does teach us is if you are going to get into Bitcoin, it's it's a totally different animal. You you can't necessarily protect yourself through regulations. You sort of have to protect yourself and protect your coins. Um, but what I do think will happen sort of long term is I think industry will will pick up on, on how do we make it easier for people to use and store Bitcoin. Because I think that's probably the, the, the more important thing. And that's why we see companies that have come out with these uh, hard wallet and physical devices for storing Bitcoin. It's just an extra way to make it a little bit more practical and a little bit more usable um, for for the average consumer. So I think that that sort of last mile still has to be built, and uh, and that's sort of the state of, of the industry right now. So if I could summarize it, uh, it's important that people uh, keep control of their, their investment themselves, either through uh, like their own software app uh, or using a software app or a hardware wallet instead of leaving it up on an exchange to sit. Exactly. That, that's the safest, uh, safest way to do it. We've been talking with Michael Vogel from NetCoins. Can you tell our listeners just quickly what your, uh, your company does? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we have uh, thousands of stores across Canada where customers can, can buy Bitcoin. And um, people can also buy it directly uh, online through our website, gonetcoins.com. Uh, we have an online portal where people can, uh, can fund their account, buy their Bitcoins, and, uh, and be on their way. Does anyone but you know the password? <laughs> yes, we, we had a, a good discussion about that in the office. Actually, yeah, we're we're not set up that way at all, and uh, and actually we're, we're we're unique in that we're Canada's only publicly traded Bitcoin company. So there's an extra level of transparency there for uh, for customers, even beyond what uh, what Quadriga had. Good to know. Thanks for joining us today, Michael. Thanks so much, Mike. That was Michael Vogel from NetCoins. When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking with our good friend Igor Bonifacic from Mobile Syrup about all sorts of cool new smartphone rumors, uh, including Energizer getting into smartphones, a camera in a smartphone stylus, uh, and some new phones from Motorola as well. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network, brought to you by London Drugs. We'll be back right after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Let's talk about uh, smartphones some more. Uh, as we said earlier, the big Mobile World Congress is happening uh, soon. All sorts of new smartphones are going to be released. On the line, uh, we've uh, got our good friend Igor Bonifacic from Mobile Syrup. Thanks for joining us, Igor. Thanks for having me. You must be pretty excited. This is like go time for you. Uh, both excited and filled with dread. <laughs> dread? Why? Because you've got to punch out like 300 stories in uh, the next few weeks? Something like that. And you know, at a certain point, all these phones start to look alike. <laughs> they do, don't they? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Well, uh, let's uh, talk about uh, some new stuff you uh, have uh, recently uh, had uh, a look at, and that would be from Motorola. Uh, they've got some new phones coming out. Yeah, for the big M, uh, they just announced their new G7 series. And for those who don't know, the G7 series is now, uh, I want to say, about five years old. And it's kind of been their, you know, high-value proposition offering to consumers. So you're looking about, like, 250 to $300 Canadian for these phones. And I have to say, you know, more so than in past years, I think these phones... Um, these phones make a really compelling argument for you don't have to buy an expensive phone. Uh, the G7, which is in North America, the high end of the G series family, is it looks like an iPhone. It feels like an iPhone. Now, is it quite as nice as an iPhone? No, but like for the money, this is an incredibly compelling phone. And I think. This is a real big problem for Apple, Samsung, and the others, um, specifically those two, because, you know, they tend to focus on the high end, although we've seen Samsung, you know, kind of dabble with mid-range phones and lower-end phones. Um, so I think, like, this is going to be the, if you want a really compelling device for not a lot of money, this is going to be your go-to device this year. And, and what price range are we talking about for these phones? You said 250 to yeah. 350 yeah, so cur- there's no Amer- uh, Canadian pricing yet, but what they told us was uh, the G7 Play, which is the lowest of the uh, or the most affordable of the three models, is 199 USD, uh, and then the G7, which is the top end in North America, is uh, 299 USD. So, you know, somewhere above 300 dollars outright. Um, so you can very easily at Telus, Rogers, or Bell probably get these. Um, and sorry, Telus won't carry this phone, but Rogers and Bell will. Um, you could probably very easily get these phones for zero dollars on a contract, and not one of those ultra uh, tier pricing plans where you know you're stuck paying quite a lot of money year uh, month over month for two years. Well, Igor, this is uh, interesting. You know, we, we've seen how quickly the price uh, for uh, top-tier smartphones has uh, increased over the past few years. Uh, you know, if you're looking for uh, the latest iPhone or Samsung Galaxy phone, you are looking in the $1,300 price range. What are people missing out on if they go for a $300 smartphone? You know, not quite a lot is the thing. Like, it, the way I view it is kind of like, Smartphones have become cars in the sense that, like, you know, whether you buy, let's say, a $15,000 car or $25,000, car, they're going to be able to do the same thing, which is get you from point A to B. And I think that has really become true of smartphones. Yes, you know, this, the Moto G7 is not quite as fast as the latest Samsung phone, nor does it have quite the amazing camera that, um, you know, the iPhone or the Pixel 3 might have, but it has a pretty good camera. Like the pictures I took at this hands-on event were really nice. Um, you know, maybe it doesn't have some of the bells and whistles and in uh, particular with the G7, uh, Moto decided to, or Motorola, excuse me, decided to skip out on NFC, which means you can't use Google Pay with this phone. But for the most part, it's like you're getting a very comp, like, very compelling phone um 
that I don't like, again, I don't see there like from the average consumer, why spend $1,300 when you can get something that is almost just as good for $300. Talking with Igor Bonifacic from MobileSyrup.com about uh, the latest uh, smartphones hitting the market. Uh, let's talk about some of the rumored stuff. Uh, Samsung has got their big unpacked uh, event happening here in February. Uh, the new Galaxy 10, what are we expecting? So, uh, as is usually the case with Samsung, they love their kitchen sink approach, which is, you know, with the S10, they're going to throw almost everything they have at this phone to try and convince you to upgrade. Uh, this year, the one of the big upgrades um, is that it's going to have one of their new display technologies, which they're calling, interestingly, Infinity O. And essentially what it is, if you've been following smartphone design for the last, like, year and a half, these display cutouts or display notches have been really popular. So, um, you know, in the case of the iPhone, it has this kind of horizontal notch that houses some of the camera equipment from of the phone so that the, they can make the front of the phone as much display as possible. Samsung, they have a new technology where it's just a, basically a punch hole in the display. It kind of, it's kind of a take it or leave it um, aesthetic. You know, some people are going to hate it. Some people are going to love it. But Samsung has really been able to create a display with this where it's like almost entirely screen, which is something that, you know, I kind of equated to thinness a couple of years ago where everyone was trying to create the thinnest phone. Now everyone's trying to create the phone with the highest screen to body ratio. So that's one of the things, uh, obviously it's going to have probably a ton of cameras. I imagine at least three on the back. Uh, and then on the galaxy S 10 plus, you're going to have two at the front. So five cameras all together. Um, and if you really need more cameras after that, I'm sorry, I don't know what I can do for you. <laughs> Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you saw this one, uh, Igor. Uh, mm-hmm. Samsung's been gran- granted a patent for a camera in the stylus. Oh, okay. That is interesting. So I imagine that's going to come with the uh, Note 10 whenever that comes out. Um, <laughs> if, if they can figure that all out. <laughs> if they can figure that out. Now, the usual thing we say with patents is just because they've patented something doesn't mean it's going to turn into reality. We're talking with Igor Bonifacic from MobileSyrup.com, a great website uh, for all your mobile phone needs. Igor, thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you for having me. When we come back from the break, it's Alexa Skills time. If you've got an Amazon Echo speaker, we've got some cool skills for you to test out. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and Graham here. It's that time of the program where we give you our Alexa skill of the week. Graham, what do we have for the Amazon Echo owners out there? Well, so for Echo owners, we've got something really cool because I know you've seen uh, Bandersnatch, right? Yes, that was the well, interactive uh, TV show that was available on Netflix, still available on Netflix. That lets you basically choose how the story actually goes. Yeah, and, and so we're starting to see a ton of new interactive entertainment pop up on a bunch of different uh, platforms and there's two new ones. Well, I say new. They're they're a little bit older, actually. Now, um, do you remember back in the '80s there were the choose your own adventure books? Yes, I love them. <laughs> so I spent way too much time with these things, and you know, like like a lot of people, they they came out in a series, and you you buy each one, you read each one. I, I ended up uh, taking a ton of them out of the library, but uh, but if you remember the whole process, basically you'd read through. Um, and you would come to a choice and it would say to do a turn to page X and to do, uh, B turn to page Y. 
And so you'd either turn to page, you know, 89 for one choice or 93 for another choice. And I think a lot of us ended up with, you know, a number of fingers stuck into the book at different places so that we could actually go back and fix choices because these books had a way of ending in a terrible, terrible fashion for you as the hero a lot of the time. So the Choose Your Own Adventure series is actually coming to uh, all Amazon Echo devices. Now, it's been, it's been, these have been created by Audible, which is owned by uh, Amazon, and ChooseCo, the people who currently own the Choose Your Own Adventure brand, and they're releasing uh, two adventures, the first two, The Abominable Snowman and Journey Under the Sea. And the idea here is that you are going to go through the story uh, in an audio format, and so this is great for kids, it's great for adults, there's a ton of nostalgia here, um, and you can go through and you can go through, make your choices all, through, all the way through the story. Now, if you've made a mistake, you can say go back, and it will let you choose a different path, but you can only go back one step. Uh, you can also restart the story, or you can change the story so you can bounce from, uh, from one book uh, to another. So this is a really cool little skill. Uh, it is listed under the Choose Your Own Adventure brand. So if you search for that uh, in the show, uh, in the Amazon uh, store, you'll be able to find that as an Alexa skill. I think this is really cool. So that's, again, uh, all audio-based, and you have to have an Amazon uh, Echo speaker or uh, any type of uh, Amazon uh, Alexa device or so many different manufacturers of these now uh, that would let you uh, basically speak to it and, and have a speaker in it as well, right? Exactly, yeah. And uh, is this appealing to you? You know, I'm, I'm so excited for this. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I'm going to be installing it essentially as soon as I get home because I really do want to give it a shot. I, I Like I said, I had all of these books when I was a kid, or at least if I didn't have them, I went to the library to check them out. And so this is a, a nice, tasty nugget of nostalgia, and I'm really excited to hear how the voice acting is. So I'm looking forward to it. That was our Amazon Alexa skill of the week. That's all the time we have left for the program, Graham. Talk about the podcast. Yeah, so we are a podcast available for you for download or for streaming. You can find us through the iTunes store or on Spotify, again, where you can listen live or you can download. If you do like the show, please don't hesitate to give us a review. We love hearing from you. And don't forget, you can also find our sister show, get um, the app show, pardon me, uh, where you can find that as a podcast as well. So all the time we have left, Mike and Graham logging off for Get Connected. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.